Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that takes itself and the game incredibly serious today because we've just finished the second, no, the second day and the fourth of the quarterfinals. We have. I am astonished at what I've just seen. <laughs> which, which idiots uh, were predicting a Northern Hemisphere whitewash? Yeah, well, I mean, what has this told us? Uh, I mean, the, the, the four teams that are through... Or basically the teams that you'd expect, with, with the exception of Argentina. So the most successful Northern Hemisphere team, the two most successful Southern Hemisphere teams, plus one other. Yeah, historically, yes. Um, and I bet Argentina, I bet their record of making semis, well, it's certainly better than Ireland. <laughs> it's, it's better than, than Wales' is, I would imagine, not looking at the facts in front of me, but I would imagine. So yeah, entirely predictable. Um, it, entirely predictable. By say I don't know Brian Moore who recorded a generic <laughs> generic preview. Brian Moore was more correct than us. I think we need to give him credit. <laughs> more correct than anything, but he could have been more correct than than any of us recording this ten years ago. Yeah, do you know to call this World Cup, you literally just needed to go off historic data. Yes, that's all we needed to do. You needed to use cliches, go off historic data, and you'd be absolutely fine. I don't even know. So where, 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 where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Oh, so. I know. Let's start here, right? Let's start with this, which is, this is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Yes. I'm here with Phil. Hello. Uh, and we will be joined by Tim, who is in his Metcons, interviewing people in France at the moment, isn't he? So he'll he'll be calling in, and you can find us on, on Patreon, which is, of course, very important. Loads of new signups. Thank you very much. And you can contact us on email, contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Now we can start. Fantastic. And where, where do you want to start? Like, we're, we're normally... Uh, we're primarily an English rugby podcast because that's where we live. Yeah, that's where we're from. Yep. it's the club game that we watch most. It's the international game that we watch most. I feel like we should not start with England. We should start with either of the uh, British summertime eight pm kickoffs this week, either Saturday or Sunday. Jesus, I mean, I think Tim will want to talk about which one. Which one would you not want want us to start with? I don't know. He wouldn't want us to start with uh, level seven rugby. That's for sure. Right. Let's start with Ireland. Where did you watch it? I watched this at home. Did you? I did. Uh, watched it at home, and I I do like I like these eight pm kickoffs. I do I, as well. Perfect I, time. I like watching them at home. I like watching them at home without my phone, with with no distractions, so I can really get into it and not be influenced by 
uh, Twitter or anything else. This was an unbelievable game. I cannot remember a single second of this game because <laughs> I was out on the town from two o'clock, my first beer in ten weeks. Uh, I hit my target weight, which is my precursor to go out. That was like my qualification thing. So I had to hit a certain weight. Uh, and then I went and drank myself silly all day. So, so, you're, so you're like a fighter, like a boxer. Absolutely. A UFC fighter. Yep. <laughs> got to make weight. Got to make weight to go boozing. So I made weight, went up, went up boozing. Um, I just remember the heartbreak of the Irish. I just remember watching it and thinking, I cannot believe they've lost that. So I simply can't believe it. New Zealand, let's, let's talk kind of macro before getting into the micro. New Zealand did some amazing things at times. I think Ireland were the better team for most of the game, or certainly had the upper hand for most of the game. And I, I looking back on this, I think Ireland errors cost Ireland the win. And those errors, you could name the Sheehan and Van der Fleer misread on Moonga. That was the, horrendous. For the it's amazing acceleration, but yeah, there's there's a total misread there between yeah. those two. I mean, to see a team as good as Ireland because they're amazing, to see them concede a first phase try from a lineout from fifty plus meters out, it's just unheard of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it is... was just it was just a it was nine to ten, ten carry. Yeah, that was the move. Yeah, if you. If you were talking to someone who's never seen the game before, they go, oh yeah, that was a really nice move from New Zealand. But actually, that is about as catastrophic as an intercepted pass. I mean, that's the level of error it is. Yeah, perhaps even more so. Yeah. Because in- intercepts, they do happen when you're kind of pushing the envelope. This was just, it was a first phase carry by a 10. Yeah, I don't to, know how to you read that. I, I... So, so you've, got, you've got that error. You've got the, the Sexton. He only went for um, three points once. Uh, sorry, sorry. He went for three points twice and was 50-50, missed one of them, yep. got one of them. Um, so you got the Sexton and the, the it was an easy kick that he missed. Um, so you've got that. You've got the after the penalty try where Ireland get line out in the corner again and it was Kelleher. The, the, the Ireland uh, mall is powering over the New Zealand line and he breaks too early. And gets held up by oh. Jordy Barrett, which the goal line dropout from was dropped by Kaylin Doris to just relieve. It should have been seven points to Ireland, and it relieved fifty yards of pressure. So, like, how many errors Chris Clare was made by Len- by Lanstermen? <laughs> well, now you've mentioned it. Actually, every single one of those that I've just Oof. mentioned Oof. sounds almost like. It almost sounds like the welfare policy that they've instituted doesn't work for really high intensity games. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is some kind of uh, correlation or causation between Stuart Lancaster and these boys, his influence over these boys, and choking at the highest level. Oh, it is devastating, though. I mean, they really believe they are the best in the world. It's come down they were, that they, much of a bump. Is I mean, when I was watching they, them, they looked like the best in the world. They, they, they lost one in 20 odd games going into this they were the number one ranked team in the world they were the favorites in this game although not as according to the bookies not as great a favorites as you would think like it was almost 50 50 according was to it? the bookies but if you listen to or read the um the media you would probably think it was the island were heavy favorites or they well, were according to the media i think they were i mean if i was to play this game again I'd have Ireland winning by a big score. And I think that's probably 
laid out when you look at how they went up against New Zealand last time they played over three games. They absolutely wiped the floor with them in two of them. So I think they would win. And they are probably the most impressive team throughout the tournaments in the group stage. That manhandling of South Africa was absolutely amazing. And then what they did to Scotland, they just shut them down completely. You, yeah, these the guys are, are, were the favourites. They were the best team in the tournament. And I'd love to know what I said. Easy enough, because I'm a, uh, because I'm a podcaster. And I can <laughs> look it up. But I'm pretty sure I said, when they were celebrating their Six Nations win, that this, this is the end for them. Like they were celebrating that. You did. You said Grand Slam. You said now that they've won the Grand Slam, that's it. They've lost their opportunity to win the next two. Yep. And by the next two, you meant Leinster in and the Heineken Cup. Cup and Rugby World Cup. Yeah, I felt that. Now that's, it's quite an easy thing to say because they at that stage had they were one of twenty teams in the <laughs> Heineken Cup and one of twenty teams the in odds, the in the, the World in Cup. Favor. <laughs> slightly in your yeah. favour. Well, there we go. <laughs> They're just going to play the best teams in Europe and the best teams in the world but over you, and over again if you think for you to be proven maybe, wrong. But maybe, you know, don't celebrate the Grand Slam in a World Cup year. Like, for three days. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe just be a little bit more humble, in the words of Stuart Lancaster. Right? <laughs> get down, get, be, get be back more, to work. Be more Lancaster. Yeah, not in a world, yeah, you can celebrate your Grand Slam in a non-World Cup year. That's That's fantastic. But you've still got work to do. Celebrating peaking too early. Yeah. A classic. It's it's like uh, in 2018 when we were in Monaco and Ireland won Team of the Year and Trenny Sexton won Player of the Year and uh, they peaked too early. And it is. I, this Ireland team, I'm a huge, huge fan. I, I wanted them to win this game. I backed them to win this game. And I really, really like the way that they go about their business in all aspects they're so well drilled in defence save for that uh, Will Jordan try they're so well drilled at set piece although their line out fl- got fluffed a bit that we might talk about a bit later their they're attacking play is so good and so consistent they've got so many likeable players but with all that said it is still objectively funny that they yes. go out again, again in the quarterfinals. There will be lots of Irish people who are very distraught about this. Very distraught. And you understand why, don't you? Because they think this is their golden generation. Mm. But let me reassure you Irish fans out there, there's nothing to worry about. Um, Irish rugby is probably one of the few bright spots in the entire game. Mm-hmm. They are very well, very well run. And I remember when they had their last golden generation, it turned out they weren't the golden generation. You're right. In fact, it was just, just the beginning. The precursor for this generation. Yeah, and I actually think the next lot of lads coming through will be better again. Because Ireland know what they're doing now. They've got their production line set up. They've got their scouting in order. They just know what they're doing. I don't think this is um, the end for Ireland. Far from it. I think it's, I think it's j- just the beginning. I think you're, I, I think you're probably right. Um, with maybe a couple of caveats. And that's... I think there's two generational players in that team who will be hard to replace. Who are you thinking? Sexton? Sexton is one. I think he'll be easy to replace. I think, But they've been trying for about 10 years. I think one of the, the biggest problems that they've had over 10 years is not just replacing him. Just replace him. Because as soon as you get someone else to step into those shoes, they'll be fine. Wales have Dan Bigger. Uh, and if they get rid of him, they'll have basically some no-name in Costello. And do you know what? He'll be fine. He'll get his experience and he'll be fine. But because they've kept Sexton, Sexton around for so long and he's prevented other lads having enough game time to really shine, 
it's a problem. And not only that, it cost them a fortune to do this. Like it's, it's keeping for the last 10 years has cost them a fortune because not only do you have to pay him as the best paid player, you've also got to pay someone else who's nearly as good as him to play when he's not playing. And you don't get the benefit of, of playing that player in your, in your national team on a regular basis. The bit I would say to that is they have tried. Um, they've tried to wean themselves off Johnny. And for various different reasons, mm. Carberry injuries. Yep. Um, uh, Paddy Jackson. Paddy Jackson. Stuff. Other things, not non-injuries, but other reasons. Um, what's his name? Ross Byrne and others bringing Billy Byrne in. Yep. They tried Jack Carty. Like there's, they've, they've now got Jack Crowley. There's lots of names. So it's, I don't think it's for a lack of trying. And this this is more my point, which is he is more of a generational player. Yeah, um, I think they've made him into one, one though. One of, those, one of those comes around every so often. So that, like, that's one. Do you know when you say he's a generational player though? I'm just going to push back on that. I, who, if you look at the Six Nations teams, is he the best fly half in Six Nations? Probably not at 38. He was, he, he started Lions tours before, so he was for a good chunk of time. Yeah. 20, 2013, 2017. And who was the other generational player which you're looking at there? And now this is because he's so unique. Uh, and, um, I mean, Henshaw would be the closest thing to him in the Ireland setup, but Ireland don't um, breed too many players like him. Bundiaki. Yeah, well, you say... And he's, he has been... I mean, Ireland, you could argue, don't breed any like him. Not too many. Not too many. Um he has been absolutely phenomenal recently. He has been very good. He's just been outrageous. Like in the South Africa game, he was amazing. He he was absolutely rocking this game too. He really was. He's seventy five meters made, seven defenders beaten in this game, <laughs> and the the try that he scored, which was the turning point, or it felt like the turning point for Ireland getting back in the game because it looked like I think it was ten nil at that stage, it, or maybe ten three, but it looked like. Uh, Ireland could easily drift out of it. Yeah. And he is he's difficult to replace. So, um, I don't... For me, Ireland New Zealand is a classic, can both teams please lose? Like, how does this happen? <laughs> like like when you were watching uh, semi-line-up against Faz today. Yeah, exactly. How can these guys both <laughs> knock each other out? You know? <laughs> oh, Bristol versus Bath. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how, but... Oh, yeah, sorry, that's what I was going to say. So... On the one hand, I just wanted Ireland to go out in the quarterfinals because I love the storyline, I, I love all that. On the other hand, New Zealand did something in the, in the week which made me want to vomit. They dropped the player. They did. For discipline reasons. They didn't say what those discipline reasons were. I just hate it. I hate it. But, so, it depends what it is. I really wanted them to go home then. Oh, look, we're really good play- <laughs> so, people who've gone home. I have no problem with that. I, it was, what did Fuzzy say? It was, it's discipline, it's dealt with, yeah, I still love him. Don't, don't really like the last remark. I still love from a, him. From a coach. But, do you know, I hate it so much because but, presumably, if this is anything like the Aaron Smith discipline, you get disciplined by your own mates. It's like... well, So it, it depends what it is. Because like, I'll give you an example. Uh, and it's my, maybe one that you could get on board with. I, a long time ago, uh, played with a, a scrum half yeah. who always cut runs short. He always cut corners on runs so we're doing defensive drills like up down drills yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff he never hit the line and Uh-oh. get back into the line so he's risking conceding a penalty every time now if if you're if you're cutting corners in a 
fitness drill like that, what are you going to be doing in the game? Gamesmanship, so, I hope. So, uh, well, giving penalties away. <laughs> there's there's gamesmanship, but there's also giving penalties away. So, if it's something like that, like a a performance related, like imagine if imagine the guy who's double counting his muscle ups, uh, yeah. JB. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So he, he's got to do ten, and he only does five, and he marks down ten. But we've got two different things here, right? So what you're talking about is standards. Like, if you're not training well, you should be dropped, right? If you're giving away penalties, you should be dropped. But if you decide to go out for an extra beer. Or you know, you snuck a girl into the hotel room. But we don't. We don't like, know. It could be. It there could must be something like that. It's not like oh yeah, we dropped him because he he, he was short on shuttle runs. Might be. Or Lester Fyanga. He, uh, Lester he was like. Is, is that, how do you say his name? Lester Fang Fyanga Inuku. Fyanga Inuku. Um, yeah, yeah. If he's just about. If he's just. If it's just for discipline. And I remember with uh, Aaron Smith, it's like until they got his mates around to punish him. So. The coaches can wash their hands of the discipline issue. <laughs> I mean, imagine if I had to discipline you, Phil. <laughs> we've we've been there in the past, JB. <laughs> what's the, what's punishment? Nothing. Grow up. <laughs> Get me Aaron Smith's paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so uh, yeah, I I don't like. I kind of do. I, I kind of do get it. Like the one, oh, that, the I, one that sticks out is. Um, there was a story from was it 2015 where Australia brought back all their old boy brought back, back Gitto and yeah. Adam Ashley Cooper and Drew Mitchell for like one last dance and they got them to a World Cup final. Yeah, but there was some discipline around bringing girls back to a room, but it was like their sister or cousin and it's oh like, it was wasn't it? Yeah, it, there was there was, but it it broke a heart. Like this is the story that they did something. It should be legitimate, but it broke a hard and fast rule, and therefore they were kind of punished because of it. I have that's that so I have so little time for this. Yeah, I have very little time and, for that. And also, do you know what the All Blacks did this week as well? Good baggage train. Oh, uh, carried their own bags. I, I thought you were going to mention that. I want New Zealand to lose just because of that. Sickening. That is. And then they're going to parade like. But co- it's, 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 it seemed less efficient. Like it yeah, seemed dreadful. It, it was just. Oh, was so anyway. Anyway, so what? Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed that they're through now. I wish Ireland had. I wish Ireland had one. Um, so, let's talk about the actual game itself. What are the turning points for you here? What What were the things which really stood out that New Zealand did? Because for all of Ireland's choking, New Zealand played bloody well. They did. They took their chances brilliantly. We've already spoke about the Will Jordan try. Um, they took their first two tries: the Leicester Fyanga Anuku um, and the Ardi Surveyor one in in opposite corners. Fantastically. And they, something they exploited, which was clear to me that it was a uh, pre-planned thing where they've they've seen a glimmer of space in the island defensive line, was the little chips over the top, yeah, and the the Bowden Barrett one for that was for the Fianga Anuku try, I think, um, was just beautiful, wasn't it? It was it's stunning, and then that, that, so that was an amazing passage of play because it was the Bowden Barrett chip. And Bodenberg gets nailed by James Lowe. Yeah, absolutely, he really does. Absolutely nailed. But still has the wherewithal to look for the offload, doesn't quite get it, and then they go wide, and it's the little one-two between... Stunning. Uh, Fangra Nuku and Rico Yuani. That was incredible. So, phenomenal start for New Zealand. They get that. They, well, they got the penalty, then they get that. Um, and then it's... Uh, try to remember the conversion. That's even another penalty. So was it thirteen? 
nil up they were. Eight, yeah, thirteen three was. Yeah. Thirteen. Yeah, thirteen nil, thirteen three. Yes, that's how he went. Thirteen nil, thirteen three. Then you get the Bundyaki try, which was you felt like if Ireland don't score left, Bundy doesn't cut back inside and beat however many players and score that. You felt like the game was going to start drifting away from them. Mm. But they they never let it drift away from them. Every time New Zealand scored a try, they'd either well they they'd get back into it somehow, one way or another. They'd get back into it. Well, they just stayed in the fight. Yes, um, couple of areas of interest. Um, I'd like to get your take. Um, although, given that it was kind of seven hours after you started drinking, maybe difficult line out and scrum in particular. Line out, Ireland fluffed a couple in important uh, positions, but also made a few in important positions, yeah. uh, particularly in the second half. They got a few fantastic lineouts, one of which led to the try, one of which led to the Kelleher kind of early break in the Geordie Barrett amazing hold up. Scrum time, though. Ireland scrum, it was really interesting to me because it looked to me like Ireland were dominant at scrum time when they turned the screw. Yes. However, they got penalised on a number of occasions. Andrew Port was penalised on a number of occasions for either stepping out or boring in or both. Going around the side was... Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that is necessarily what happened. I'd have to look at it again on, like, a spider cam. Yeah. That would be a better better way to do it. I like the sort of French way of officiating a scrum, which is just the dominant team wins. Like if you want to step on the side, well, you've got to have you got to do something about it as the opposition prop. You can't bore in too much, but if you do bore in, there becomes other, other opportunities. When a scrum is dominant, I very rarely like, like them to be penalised. Uh, remembering those those scrums now, Porter did get pinged two or three times. Yeah, he got pinged, and it was actually I didn't like them. I didn't think that they were they were legitimate penalties. And it was where Ireland were really dominant. There's one or two where uh, De Groot and Cody Taylor were like were. What do they call it? Flying saucered. Mm. Where they were like on top. Yeah. Of- the question then becomes, right, if you are dominant and you're going forward, are you dominant because you're cheating? Probably not. So why would you cheat? Yeah. You know, why yeah. would you do this? Uh, you know, that's why I'm a little bit little bit, little bit, bit suspicious. But I, th- I thought Ireland could learn a bit from um, the South Africa scrum in that regard. Um, obviously, everyone can learn a bit from the South Africa scrum. Although England employed again, like the South Africa scrum, just go back to that. When they won a penalty against France, and again, it was for walking on the side. I didn't think that that was like France really went at them. And I thought France at that point that was a turning point of the game because to me, France looked like a scrum which could hold their own. But that penalty then ruins them. Mm, so again, I'll have to see it again. But what I was going to say was South Africa from watching them in this tournament particularly. Uh, I think they, and this happened in this game, it happened in the Scotland-South Africa game and the Ireland-South Africa game. They bide their time for the scrum penalties. They're happy to have, to show the ref a nice picture for several scrums early in the game. Mm. Just hold it up, not create a a lottery, just keep it nice and steady, nice and steady. No pushing, nothing, no dominance, and then they turn it on. And Ireland, I think, tried to do too much too soon. And I'm I am not a scrummager at all. But Port on on New Zealand's ball, 
the island went for them several times, like over and over and over again, and got penalty, penalty, penalty. Yeah. What they should have done after the first penalty, to me, with a bit of game theory, is right. We're just going to show a really nice picture the next few times. Yeah. Show it's not us causing um, disrupting it. Show it's not us being illegal. And then when Winsborn believes us that we are legit, then we then go we for do, it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, think that I, was a schoolboy error. And the thing is, you don't actually know what's going on there unless you actually unless no. you know. So if you were going to go all eight against them, you'd need to know what the decision is. And conversely, if you just feel you're going forward, well, you don't stop. Yeah, yeah. So you, know, <laughs> you need to actually ask them what they were, what they were doing. But that the scrums scrums in particular for Ireland were a weak point. Lineouts, a couple of fluff lines, but I think generally pretty good. Yeah. So New Zealand in the back. That's quite disappointing. That they are one of the worst teams in one of their worst teams probably in the last two decades. It's not that bad, is it? I mean, they're quite good. It's still a phenomenal team. The bit that they miss, and this is, I guess it's it's making the same point again, that Ireland did not capitalise on this. I think that New Zealand's weakness, and I said it last week, um, was is their front row. Agreed. It's their front row, and it's it's not their front row around the park necessarily. I mean, Cody Taylor is brilliant around the park, um, and Dane Coles or Takiyahu, um, who is, is the third choice, are brilliant around the park. But they are not brilliant at scrum time. They're not brilliant at scrum time. And I'll tell you the other thing as well. They play differently. They don't have monstrous ball carriers. Like, they could do with one really big ball carrier in there. I mean, they've got nice ball carriers. People can move their feet. Like, I mean, Audi Survey is not, not bad. Uh, he's a phenomenal ball but carrier. He's, but he's not a heavy traffic carrier. No, he's more like a Ben Earl, isn't he? He's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that kind of thing. Uh, ben Earl or a Ludlam type player. Yeah, so... Yeah, they could do with just one absolute no. mutant. I mean, Ritalik's very nice. Sh- Shannon Frizzell, but he had a very quiet game. Yeah. Um, Shannon Frizzell's the one, I think, who can bring that heavy traffic. But he didn't do much. Um, I have to say, though, I thought Sam Kane had a good game. Sam Kane did have a good game. One of his better games, I'd say. It, and I think he's phenomenally disappointing every time I watch him. He had a great game. He's, his hit for... The early Turnover penalty. It was he hit Kalen Doris, and he That's it. is a one-on-one tackle with Kalen Doris in the middle of the park, and he nailed him. And Ardy Surveyor went over the top, jackled over the top, and hello, hello, hello. Mate. How, are, how are you? I, uh, I, f- I feel sick. Oh no! <laughs> Been drinking again? No, 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 not ill. No, just for watching that game. Oh my god! Sorry, I know I'm jumping in. You've already talked about it loads. So no, we so haven't. No, we're waiting oh, you for haven't. you. We're waiting for you, mate. We're just polishing off the the island um, the island All Blacks game whilst we're waiting for you because we assumed you'd want to talk about it. Oh well, no, I'm happy to jump in whenever. It's it's absolutely fine. Um, oh my god, oh my god, is it right? So just one question quickly: is that is that the greatest weekend of rugby we've ever that there, there, there has ever been? I. I think the two, the two 8pm kickoffs are two of the best games I've ever seen. The England game was very good. The England games, and the other two games were nowhere near as high quality, but you did not know until the last few minutes in, in any of the game. They were all up for grabs until, I mean, it was only the Nicolas Sanchez try in the Argentina game. Yeah. And the England game, it was yeah. the, the last second, eight, 82 minutes. So Yeah. And, and so, and, and I can understand the temptation to to moan about the draw if you're from Ireland or you're from France. I totally understand the temptation, but you, too, you cannot have both things. You cannot have um, the top four teams in the world meeting at the semi semifinals and 
have the weekend that we've just experienced. That, yeah. that was one one for the ages. So, um, and if you're going to win the World Cup, which is the ultimate goal here, yeah, you got to yeah. be you got to beat all these teams. So grow up and beat them. <laughs> I just don't understand this like this nonsense about the draw. Yes, it's a, it's it's irritating. I guess that England have gone so far. But, you know, you've got to beat these teams. You've, you've got to beat them. Well, England are um, objectively better than Ireland. Ireland yeah. yeah. And much, much better than Scotland. Um, and better than France. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. So, we've just done um, Ireland, uh, Ireland, New Zealand. I we think do, we all yeah. agree... And the massive bottlers and New Zealand aren't as bad as we thought. Uh, this is why I was sat in the waiting room going, I need to get in there before JB goes and just slags off Ireland. Not we've, we've been, um, we have been very complimentary to Ireland, although we good. did note that it is, even though Ireland are an incredible team, it is still objectively funny that they have gone out in the quarters again. Yeah. <laughs> I, hope, um, I, hope, I hope Paris fans are looking forward to the Lancaster era. <laughs> well, they've never they've never had a history of being amazing anyway. So that's true. But at least they'll be great people. Or maybe they've had a history of bottling it. Yeah, maybe this might be a perfect this this might be perfect for them. Bottle squared. It, this <laughs> this will be harder to t- this will be the hardest one to take by a mile. Yes, because uh, uh, because of arriving at the World Cup as the number one team, playing. So well, yeah. This this will be, but uh, I'm sure you have talked about the New Zealanders. But I'm sure you mentioned like th- there's been a little bit. There's been some redemption arcs. Sam Kane's redemp the re- the redemption arc that Sam Kane is on is is amazing. And there's there's quite a lot of hmm. Seems have cut out quite a lot of what? What do you think he's going to say there? Camembert. People, can I be guilty of kind of just oh, casually oh. writing? Not not writing Sam Kane. Getting it in and out. Tim. Oh, sorry. Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. You're basically sing, back. singing the praises of Sam Kane. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And but I was saying his redemption arc is amazing, and there's a few players like that. Um, I thought Jordy Barrett looked are, like a world class operator. Y- yes, yes. But there's a few players at, at the World Cup that look like they're on redemption arcs. Ooh. Um, Who else have you got in mind? Because, well, I'm. I was so I, we don't we can talk about this game later. But that's fine, but I was I was quite upset. No, not not upset. That's the wrong word. I was I was irritated. I was irked by Owen Farrell being booed when his name got announced when the teams were, were running through the team. I, I, I know pay- you'll get you'll, you'll love it, JB. I wonder why that happened. I mean, look, I paid a lot of money for that, <laughs> <laughs> but he got heavily he got heavily booed and then put in a excellent performance he's okay um, he's all right he, he, he played very well mate he played very well and sam kane i, I remember looking at it, it was just the look on his face when he walked out the tunnel i was like oh hello i wouldn't this is interesting isn't it there are quite a few national captains that just are not very well liked it's still got national captains so like this is gonna this will probably get me cancelled i'm not a massive khaleesi fan i don't think he's, don't think he's that good certainly don't, don't think he's the best seven in south africa um, I could watch him sing the national anthem all day. Yeah, but the captain is something very sort of... I don't know what it is. It's, it, he says something about that team, doesn't he? And sometimes they're picked when they're not necessarily the best player. And I don't know what it is. That's why Owen Farrell irks me so much. Sam Kane irks me. Um, Khaleesi, not as much as those two, in fairness. Who, who, who's the island captain? Sexton. Sexton. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, Scotland? Uh, Richie. Jamie Richie. Richie. I love him. I think he's amazing. Wales, Jack Morgan. Jack Morgan, amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. The, the players that picked as captain because they're just the 
the best, hardest guy that they've got. I love, but the guy who's picked this company because he's like the company man. I just don't, can't really like him. Argentina, Matera. Perfect. Although he, he, missing this, missing the weekend. Tim, you're, you're more on the ground. Do you know if Matera will be fit for next week? No, no, he's been replaced. Is he, he's definitely out. Oh, he's out, out. Definitely oh. out. He's out. He's out, out. Yeah, not in a Mickey Flanagan way. Gutted. Oh, no. That is awful. Yeah. But Kremer was massive um, for Argentina. Anyway, anyway, we should talk about the game we've just watched because it was one of the greatest games of rugby of all time. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. It was unbelievable. Yeah, if Ireland versus New Zealand was two teams that I would wish could both lose, this is two teams <laughs> I wish I could both win. <laughs> oh, dear. What did we just experience? That was a phenomenal game. Well, that, that, that's the right word. It that wasn't a rugby. That was an experience. <laughs> that first. Can you half... imagine how it feels to be French or South African right now? If imagine you were French or South African and you were doing this podcast, I, I, I think I'd just be emotionally spent. I just, I can't, can't do it. Yeah, the uh, the adrenaline would be off the charts following that game. The the stress levels as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, okay. So the first half, the first half is the single best half of rugby. I don't know actually because Ireland South Africa was good. Ireland South Africa was and amazing. Ireland France was good. Ireland France, February. yeah. Ireland France this year was amazing. The both halves of that Ireland New Zealand game. The first half of this was unreal. no. The first half of this was the best. It was uh, what was it? Six tries. Yeah, three tries each. Starting in, starting sure. in the fourth minute. I mean, they were different. Three tries each is great. You know, I think you'd have to really listen back to what we said about Ireland versus Ireland versus South Africa, because the start of that game with very few tries, but one try each all game wasn't it? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's really anything low, really low scoring. But the so that was superior to this game in terms of just the sheer defensive physicality which, which was on the which was on on display, particularly first half. I've never seen anything like that. Mm. Like to. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. This was different because it was attacking masterclass. And I said to Phil, as soon as Phil came in uh, to watch second half of me, I was like, this is the most intelligent rugby I've ever seen. There was some, yep. there was some weird things. Like, as, a, as an example that everyone spotted, uh, the uh, mark by, was it Valemsey? Yeah. Uh, Damien uh, Valemsey uh, marks it. And calls a scrum, which I have never ever seen before. Has he got the authority to do that? I mean, I know he has by the letter of the law, but imagine you're the. I mean, usually that's a captain's decision. Uh, well, whoever who it might have been, um, but that was. Um, I'm just imagining um, Razi Rasmus with his light. He's got a, he's got a, a light yeah. for <laughs> scrum off a mark. Um, that was a pre that was a pre planned call. So that's that's one that everyone spotted. One that um, probably everyone did spot, but the Diolande try. Did you see how South Africa lined up for the Diolande try? So there was a there was a rook. Uh, it's open play, rook on the left hand side of the field. South Africa attacking, and um, basically the whole of the um, South Africa players who were on their feet, not involved in the rook. Just automatic, just all stood on the right hand side touchline. So there was, so you had Libok yep. as ten behind the rook, and then you had a thirty yard gap. There was no one. Really, for him, there was no one for him to yep. pass to. So there was about seven or eight players 
under a crossfield bomb. Wow. Yeah, including Et- including Etzebeth, who competed for the first one, which went led for the Arendt to try. And then when it when they did the kick from right to left, Peter Stefter Toy was under it. Yes, and competed enough before Dialende went and scored it. It was like, and and that I think that might be there's two stories of this game. I think it's the the ability of South Africa to absorb French pressure at the in the in the first parts of each half, mm-hmm. and and I think it was I think it was tactical tactical genius of South Africa because they I don't know what they saw in the French I wouldn't even know where to start about what they spotted with the French team or what plan they came up with to, to do exactly what you just described Phil but it was clearly by design mm. and it led to it led to two tries and the, the, also in that first half three attacks three tries and they, J- the rest of the time they were defending I think Jack incredible Jack ne- what's his name Jack Nienaba it must be one incredibly intelligent guy yeah, I mean, I think he does operate on a different level. We spoke about the high tackle stuff, didn't we, against against Ireland? Yeah, like, they don't they don't commit high tackles. Yeah, yeah, just don't they just don't do that. There, there, was, they, there was obviously the the Edsabeth yellow card, which was just a, a he got his body in the wrong position. Yeah, but yeah, they they really don't they they for for such big blokes um, who hit so hard, their biometrics, body angles, whatever you want to call it, their positioning is so good to not risk it. I mean, for a lot of people. And a lot of organisations and countries, when you have like a super strength, you tend to neglect everything else. Yeah, yeah. Because, you're, sometimes uh, your strength overplayed can become your weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't have a thriving tourist economy, for instance, right? <laughs> Although, if uh, MBS gets his way? Yes, quite. Um, so, like, South Africa being so massive, you think, oh, well, they'll just go and do that. But they they work so hard on other things, like their tactical, their tactical ability. We spoke last week in the lead-up so how does someone beat Ireland then? It's going to be with some unconventional tactics. They have bought into finding space through kicks more than anyone. And other teams mm. have played with this. And a lot of teams have, look, have looked at it in the past. I don't know if you remember, I picked Dom Barrow for fantasy rugby because Leicester were playing with this. They were trying to put um, second rows on the wing mm. in order to catch balls and it just didn't work. But maybe they just didn't buy into it enough. <laughs> or maybe they didn't have the level of thinking behind it that South Africa do. Yeah, I mean, it kind of thinks like it kind of makes sense it would, it would work, but we're just not bright enough to put it all together yet. Mm. That was Aaron Major, actually, who came up with that. Really? Yeah. You didn't, didn't get enough of a crack at the whip at, um, at Leicester? No, some, and some I, guess all, I guess they were competing, um, competing things with Aaron Major and Richard Cockrell. Richard Cockrell? Yeah, Cockers wanted to do fairly different things. When was who got fired so Matt O'Connor could come back? Was um, that Major or was that was he after? Yes, so Cocker gets fired first. Two weeks later, Major goes. Yeah, and then uh, O'Connor, O'Connor comes, in. comes in, and then he goes. God, what a mess! What a mess! What a mess! Anyway, we're not here to talk about the history of uh, Leicester Tigers DORs. No, no, no. Well, they got the right one eventually. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna just let me credit let me credit the DORs a bit more, and this is something you've talked about plenty in the past, JB, about the people that are on the pitch at the end of a match being important, and sometimes the that like you know people get hung up on who's starting a game versus who should be on the bench, as if it's uh, first choice and second choice starting bench. And as soon as I saw the, it was two things. It was when I saw the South Africa team announced with those four at least four World Cup winners sat on the bench and and then especially I think one of my thoughts after the Wales game 
when they brought off uh, Argentina had like 300 caps worth of players on the bench to bring mm. on when Wales had kids to replace yeah. Dan Bigger and Liam Williams it was at that point I went ah makes a difference doesn't it the finals. maybe this is why maybe this is why um, Jacques Nienaber and Razi Erasmus have got four World Cup winners on the bench and so it proved yeah and, and there was a so that is a really interesting point, Tim. So the South Africa bench, obviously, Razi has, uh, Razi and Ninaba have experimented with a six-two split, a seven-one split, even the um, historic eight-zero split. Love it. But to have three backs on the bench, and it's three incredibly experienced, like basically relinquishing pace for experience. So Faf, Pollard, and Willie Larue, who are all yeah. um, in those backline positions, whereas you would often be um, seeking, I don't know, someone maybe like Rio Dyer um, co- yeah. coming off the bench um, as an example yeah. or, or a Damian yes. McKenzie type. I wish, really wish. Absolutely. So, Tim, tell me this. You're a media man. You're on the inside. Like, Jack ne- near him, right? Ninaba. Ninaba. Uh, was interviewed before the game. So, you know, how are you going to defeat this French defence? And he said something like, Oh, we'll have to execute well and not make mistakes. So what a waste of my time. What a waste of his time. What a waste of the interviewer's time. What a waste, right? Now, he's going to play a game and he's got he's, he's on there in like 10 minutes. There should be some mandated thing, right, where you have to, you have to actually speak because I want to know the theory behind having four players. What does he expect Faf de Klerk to do when he comes on? You know, why can't he say... We want to out physical them to start with. Why can't he say, I mean, no one's going to hear it except for the audience. Mm. Why can't he just say these things and give us a clear indication of what he wants to do? No one's going to change their team. Did you see? Sorry, I tend to agree, but it's it's um, it's often um, certainly in press conference. I always watch the press conferences before and after. There's so many dull questions about how does this make you feel? Ugh. About what does it mean to you? And it's like, well. Come on, ask about tactics or positioning or strategy or the bench and the lineup and that kind of stuff. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Then. That'll do. That'll yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, it should be treated. Oh, the no, ser- oh what I was going to say was, um, did you see Razzie's tweet this week? No. Which was no. Uh, so he tweeted something along the lines of uh, five plus three. Six plus two. Oh, yeah. Seven plus one. Eight plus zero. And then four plus four. Four plus four, question mark. And like, <laughs> put, put, I, mean, I think it maybe had that, the, the thinking emoji. Uh, <laughs> like, and then tagged Matt Williams. <laughs> yeah. Very, um, I mean, if they'd have gone four plus four. Because on, on some of those things, like it, that, that crossfield kick where. Basically, they took away the option for Leibok to pass pretty much and just put the option for the crossfield kick, but, like, had seven players out there. That's the kind of thing where, because that worked, it looks like absolute tactical genius. Because that led to the deal, they mm. led directly to the deal and a try, it looks like absolute ta- tactical genius. If that, uh, if the ball bounces slightly differently, it ends up in French hands and they score a 50-metre try... Not so much. You you look like it. so. It's a bit of rub, the rub of the green leads towards perhaps occasionally um, overthinking except intellect. For, except for 
They did it three times. They did. They did that several times. Yeah. yeah. And even when they were clearing their lines, they were still kicking short and contestable. And the contested kick is a wonderful thing. They they also did, like like we mentioned before, with the um, <laughs> scrumming the uh, mark, which is high, I, I think a bit of it from the South Africa team is just change the picture, like force the opposition to think about things that they've never thought about before. Because mm. those those two things really do change the picture in... Well, I've never seen a, a scrum from a mark before. And I've never seen a charge down conversion. I've never seen a charge down... Not... Yeah, oh my God, I was, I was just going to mention that. When you think yeah. of the tiny moments, uh, Marnie Libok's conversion from the touchline yes. on the first try, Yeah, when all the talk about his, his goal kicking... Yeah. Um, Ches- Cheslin Colby charge down you're so right I'm so glad you mentioned that although Cheslin Colby's um, drop goal uh, attempt <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, that, but that also that, like it was isn't that interesting so Marnie Libok was the one that nailed a touchline conversion Andre, Andre Pollard comes on and the first thing they do is go for the corner and then convert yeah with that Etzebeth carry that Etzebeth carry was monstrous absolutely yeah, monstrous was, he, he was he, he was he had a game for the ages he was incredible yeah yeah why was this game i mean i think it's a worthwhile question to ask why was this game the ireland game and the ireland South africa game what was it about them that made them so amazing and if we can put our finger on that we should then market rugby in that way and no other way so i think there's multiple things so i think one is absolutely 100 percent the physicality I agree. hundred percent. You have to sell the physicality. First and foremost, that's got, it's not about bad carrying. It's not about, it's yeah. about physicality. Because it's that physicality which allows you to really admire. I mean, I think New Zealand scored one one try. It was just a basic three on two. Um, I was like just admiring the brilliance of the skills because of the pressure. I mean, the skills aren't that brilliant, well, yeah. but they are under pressure. It, and then that's the, exactly the second point I was going to make is the 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 consistency of the skills at the highest level of pressure yeah. and a great example uh sadly it was all in vain but that the 37 or 38 phases that Ireland played at the end of that game yeah and they like, i made the comparison when we were watching the France game JB when France were basically in the same position as well, actually they're in a better position than Ireland were because they just needed three point or they just needed two points but they needed a, a penalty or a drop goal so they had they didn't have as much to do from Ireland, and they just looked spent. The shape in their attack went out; like was all over the place. Yeah, guys in ones and twos, guys too Sideways flat, running. guys too deep. Even Dupont looked out on his it turns, feet. It turns into schoolboy rugby, literally well, schoolboy rugby. Whereas Ireland, for those thirty-seven, thirty-eight phases, they were so well drilled, they were so well organised, they were carrying so well. It's such a high standard. The, the last time I'd seen that. Um, kind of cohesion and consistency at that stage of the game was Ireland versus New Zealand in 2015, 16, I want to say, before Ireland beat New Zealand for the first time. And it was the other way round. It was where Ireland were in the lead. New Zealand needed to go 80 metres with ball in hand yep. to score a converted try, and they did. And it was, it was at that level that Ireland were performing. And that is... Phenomenal. So 38 phases is a weird place to find yourself. <laughs> this um, certainly is. Now, this can go one of two ways, 38 phases. Um, you can have 
so the best team ever, in my opinion, to play phase rugby like that was Exeter. Exeter, and you, but Exeter was different. Exeter would get 30, 40 phases, but they were pick and goes. This yeah. was playing one and two outs, yeah. 30 plus phases. So I actually yeah. think those sort of, like, to be 38 phases deep in a game probably means your attack is not firing. You've had 38, phase, 38 chances to do something. Uh, so you have to be practising to that level consistently. If you're that high in your phase count, but you've got no, they, you got nowhere to go. They have you? no choice. Got nowhere so to go. ordinarily, they would have put boot to ball. Yeah. But they can't. They have to retain it. It was the only time in the, that game, it was the only time indeed in the tournament that Ireland got to that level of phases because they were about to get knocked out. So Saracens, not Saracens, was it Saracens? Was it you told me this, Tim? Either Saracens or Exeter in their prime used to look at hitting seven phases because they believe after uh, seven phases, someone the, Sar- that was Saris. I think the, it was six. Was it six? six seven, and yeah. It might have been against Exeter of all teams. Like you get six phases and then defenses will mm. will break down. By the time we got to thirty eight, that well, psychologically must be really difficult. But they, they were make so Ireland don't ordinarily do that. It's totally a. Um, yeah. A function of the situation that they were in, um, but they were they were still making they they were but they they'd made about fifty yards in those thirty eight phases, and it was but you could see. I actually think mm. defending in that position is easier than attacking. Hundred percent. It's it's so much harder to attack because yeah. you have to you you're the one with, who's doing more yards backwards and forwards and more aggressive running, but you've got to commit like two three players there to every must rook. Be. Whereas defending, you, you don't actually have to commit to any rooks if you don't want to. Right, Tim, you, you can go report back to BT, to BT Sport with, with my new idea. T- TNT Sports. Sorry, TNT Sports. <laughs> my new idea is this. Not just a phase counter, but there must be some metric to see when the, the phases are starting to slow down. So mm. if you are going, uh, your first 10 phases, probably ruck speed, right? Mm-hmm. If the ruck speed continues to be, on average, every five phases, you know, two seconds... The rut counter is green, and as it gets slower, it changes colour to red. So the so the viewer can understand if the ball's more likely to get kicked or if they're more likely to turn it over. But you could put you could graph that with a trend line as well yes. to show the direction of the are they trending up? Are they getting faster? Yes, I love it. So I'm, if it stays the same, you're amber. If they're getting faster, yeah. it's green, and the the um, graph goes up, the trend line goes up. If you're getting slower, which undoubtedly towards phases 38 that it was getting uh, getting slower that's a great idea <laughs> the problem is if everything's because um, I, I think Ireland would much rather they have really fast rook speed normally because they don't want that many rooks they want to keep moving the opposition around to create space yeah so you bet you might not get that many um, opportunities unless you're watching extra in their prime Sort it out, Tim. You've got some. You, you've got some juice. Well, you're making a big assumption that I've got. I've, I've got any uh, anything to do with it, mate. You've got some I'm juice on the outside there. now. I'm with you. I'm with you on the outside. Yes, the insurgents. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, um. What was I going to say the? Yeah, talking to the just the speed of stuff. It. I think the best description that uh, was um that. It was like watching rugby double speed, versus <laughs> the game we saw earlier. I love that. Yeah. South Africa. Yeah, true. Now, shall we and talk- the, sk- the skill set of both teams is just outrageous. Oh, 
physicality, the skill set, the whole lot, the whole lot. Everything. If, if this is rugby, or I mean, the people I feel sorry for are the people that didn't watch this game because uh, everyone should watch this. Game. It should be in a big national event. This it mm. should be. Uh, it's just incredible. It's incredible. That there's such an such a spectacular thing going on, and people are not talking about it left, right, and centre. But hey, here's a fact for you. Um, uh, of of the four semi finalists, England the only one that topped their pool, the only unbeaten side left in the competition. So it must be favourites, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Anything can happen now. <laughs> um, yeah. Should we should we go on to talk about that England game then? Yeah. Poor Marcus Smith. He will never be the same. <laughs> we really won't. What, what was the description of his? Uh, he has a face that like a Picasso painting <laughs> at the end of the game. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's such a handsome. He's, he could be in a boy. I could have been in a boy band prior to this game. Such a <laughs> handsome, boyish, good looks, and then Owen Farrell he's, moved he's into fullback. Like, like, can you imagine Quagga Smith with Marcus Smith's hair? It doesn't go together. Marcus, you have to change his barnet as well now. <laughs> so um, we always talk about oh, well, idiots do anyway. Um, about we must appeal to mothers. Mothers will not let that. Well. I'm telling you, if you've got a good-looking son now and you were considering rugby for him, you're not doing it anymore, are you? <laughs> and all that, all that is because Faz doesn't like Marcus Smith. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't like. And there'll be people on the internet crying. It's about skills. It's about skills. It's disgusting. JB, JB, why don't you talk to us about Owen Farrell? Just tell us, tell, tell us what you thought of Owen Farrell today. To be honest, I didn't really, didn't really notice him too, too much. I don't think this is really. I, I, it's a bit difficult for me to watch. Um, England, because I'm so heavily supporting the opposition team. Um, apart from semi run Drogba. Yeah, apart from semi oh, he played, he played really well. He played really well. Really well. He played like a number eight who was let loose on the wing. He played <laughs> superbly. Um, England were very disciplined. I'll give them that. They were very disciplined. I don't think they were spectacular. I thought... I, thought I Johnny- think that's the best... Fo- that's, is, is that? Uh, it did cross my mind, Phil, that that might be the best 40 minutes... Since 2019, you, you might not be wrong. You know, really, I th- I'm sure England. They started off, but there must maybe 2020 and 2021. There may have been good games. That I can't remember. Yeah, them. I seem to remember they started um, the World Cup cycle better than they finished it. Okay, um, but certainly, certainly in Steve Borthwick and the sec- uh, and and the last year or so of Eddie Jones's tenure. So, a good two and a half years. The best England have played that first 40 minutes. Yeah, and they played a bit different to how they did for a lot yeah. of the tournament, and they played different to how they did in the second half. There was a lot more. It felt like to me, not seeing the stats on this, but it felt like there was a lot more box kicking in the second half, yeah. uh, which ultimately ended up just giving the ball back to Fiji, uh, and then invited pressure on themselves and Marcus Smith's face. Yeah, I thought they played really well, and. Uh, in the in the for, in the, for forty minutes, and they're going to need to. Sorry, fight. which forty minutes are we referring to? The first, the, the first, first half. half England the played t- really well. Okay, yeah. The Did two, you not think the two tries? I mean, uh, they didn't blow me away. Three, two tries, three penalties. Uh, yeah, hold on, like it's it's relative. Yeah, it's it's like if we're comparing it to Ireland, New Zealand, France, South Africa. Yes, it, like yeah. it was so I mean, so. They go but the but if, you compa- if you're comparing 10? it to every other Eng- England performance under Steve Borthwick except for the odd 10-minute flash when they're two men down and desperately need to try and score. That was the best England have played. And they took... They, they, I mean, I, I had similar feelings, and we'll come on to the Welsh game in a bit. I, I thought at 10-0 down when Dan Bigger was lining up that kick, oh, this is... Wales have got this in the bag. Mm, and yeah. I was thinking, at, as England were 21-10, it's 
like, oh, this is this is dumb. Yeah, I did. I, I completely they, agree. I, 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 they were so in control. They were playing control. real mature game. They they were they were they were playing with more width and ambition than I've seen England play. Mm-hmm. They were they were varying the kicking game really well. The forwards were on top. Yeah. Uh, Owen Farrell Owen, Owen Farrell was dictating the tempo and it just looked like a balanced back line. Um it just it just looked like a good international rugby team. Yeah, I mean they were disciplined, that was good. Um like I do agree with the kicking strategy was it you know exactly what you'd expect, isn't it? It's a territorial based game. This is what we knew was gonna happen. I like that. But, but it was it was different from what they've done because for a lot of the tournament they they've kicked far more off nine than they did in the first half. Yeah. And I think in the second half they kicked far more off nine. It felt like certainly they kicked far more off nine in the second half. Yeah, Alex yeah, Mitchell's correct. kicking has not been superb and was not it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. I think yeah, the, he hasn't got the he hasn't got the excuse of no platform like last week because actually no. the forwards did a decent job there. Yeah, um, the, the Marcus Smith thing. One of the things I really noticed, and you see this with New Zealand did it brilliantly well last night, and you saw it with South Africa a lot um, as well. When you have that playmaker at full, fullback, the flashing back on the blind side suddenly becomes a real weapon. And England England used the blind side brilliantly, I thought, particularly well, in that first half. Mm. They really got some change out of that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, I, the brightest spots for me was that England looked like they had some real leaders out there. I thought Chesham was excellent. I thought Laws, uh, I mean, he got bundled out very unceremoniously, but he's easily England's most effect- effective jackler now. Yeah, I mean, which is, just great. is which is weird for someone who's so tall. Yeah, uh, and I thought Ben Earl. Ben, what ben we, Earl was great. What we said about Ben Earl before the tournament, was that he is one of those guys so special you just got got to make room for him mm. in, in, in the team and they have done and I think that is paying huge dividends now because to me he looks like the only world class player on the field it, he reminds me I know we've already made this comparison once today but I'm going to make it again because I really want to drive it home it's like when Audi Surveyor was coming through and people were like well what do we do with him is he a seven is he a six but he has to play and eventually he nailed down the eight jersey and now he's probably the first name on the team mm. sheet. I see Ben Earl doing something very, very similar for England because no one else is as athletic as him. No one else can run half the pitch from a half break. He turns things over. He hits things. He's bloody amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And to the point now that I was watching the game, I thought Tom Curry was the worst back row on the field. He probably I thought he was, he, he, he was actually poor. He probably was the worst back row on the field. I, I think that's that's um, perhaps accurate. Yeah. Could be injury, could be, uh, as in, he's not played a lot of rugby because yep. of injury and suspension, so he's still finding his way back into it, but he could be trying too hard, but yeah, he, yeah he, trying he wasn't too hard great. Is definitely one of those things which is happening, because he spends most of his time trying to fight, ineffectively, <laughs> because I think that's just what he thinks he should do. But his breakdown work is poor, so he's not attacking the ball with both hands, he's attacking usually with one hand, and he's lucky not to get pinged off the field. I mean, he's really fortunate. I thought some of the stuff he did, did around the breakdown was stupid rather than anything else. It was careless. But again, he's just trying to get as many turnovers. Or I mean, it did, I will make the counter argument, which it did work. He didn't get pinged and it did slow down ball. And actually, that was might be one of the reasons that Fiji struggled so much because they looked very naive in open play. Mm. Which you don't, you, you don't, you don't usually see. But they did. In the big chunks of, of the game, they were trying to... Run, run the ball at England, and they were getting turned over because they were naive at the breakdown. 
Tim, can I just ask you, because in my mind, the flip from first half to second half was a bit of a change in strategy, a bit more conservative from England, a bit more box kicking. Is there anything else you think? Because it wasn't really... I don't think you can attribute it to the personnel changes that happened just kind of through the game. What? Well, I... Yeah, I was trying to make sense of this myself because I don't, I don't honestly know. My sense was that they tightened up how they played a little bit, mm. and I, I think they had a eleven-point lead at halftime. So you mm-hmm. can kind of understand that, but I think that might be a lesson. And actually, that look at South Africa and France, that some of the rugby they played <laughs> when it was a one-point game was. <laughs> just rugby from the gods and just trying offloads and doing things. And I think fortune does favour the brave. And actually, if English should take confidence from the first 40 and just go, no, let's put it, let's put it away when it's there. Yeah. Just take it, take, take it to them. And do you I think th- that's the way that the best sides do it. But um, it, it did feel like it coincided a bit with the changes. I, I think. Um... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. That it's sort of the, uh, un, conversely to South Africa, who just Quagga Smith was just an absolute beast when he came on. Mm. I, I didn't really feel like anyone on the, off the England bench made an impact. Well, if they did, it's not in the way you where you were hoping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Carl Sinkler, for example, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I'd have to go back and check. But it felt like the scrum suddenly was under pressure when Carl Sinkler came on. Well, I mean, I think you're da- I think you're dead right there, Tim. Mm. And I think one of the most disappointing things about English rugby at the moment is the recall of Dan Cole. That should tell you everything you need. Now, that's not a knock on Dan, Dan Cole. Mm. Yeah, off, of course. Off from it. That's just saying, like, if you've got to go back to a guy who's, let's be honest, we all thought his international career was dusted. Done in the last World Cup final. You yeah. thought that would, that was it. Yeah, and he's still here four, four years mm. later. I mean, this is a real problem for England because he's the best option. So you're absolutely right. When he, the fact that he's he's even there, is an indictment on the ability of Sinclair and Stewart and everyone else really. And Joe Hayes and Joe Hayes here. Yeah. Many many others. So it makes sense that he go backwards. Maru did some good things. I thought yeah. Maru had a mixed game. Yeah. I thought he did some good things. And some bad things. Uh, I thought his strip and break was amazing. Um, he got when Laws got bundled out into touch two phases earlier. He got absolutely nailed. Yeah, um, 
by two of the Fijian forward. Oh, and that, that love smash was, like it was. It was that one, and then Courtney Law's. Yeah, it was. Marrow got smashed, and then Laws got smashed. Yeah, yeah. That's what you just said, Phil. Sorry if I repeated it. Yeah, we. Yeah. yeah, we don't. Um, I mean, because the Fijians are so good at certain aspects of the game, offloading, attacking. People tend to overlook that. That some of their defence is awesome. That was well, actually oddly like I was a little not disappointed with Fiji. That's 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 wrong. Um, I think actually England contained them really, really well. But they they played one out rugby most of the time. Yeah, they do. They're quite disciplined. They're not they're not necessarily what you think. They, well, and, and and sometimes when they tried to just pass it down the line, there was a lot of real poor passes. Like the offloads are obviously incredible when they can get them going, but it was quite a simplistic game they played. Just crashing it up but the but the actual contact area they were just contact so area. physical yeah, it's great isn't it it's absolutely great to watch yeah uh luke tanga tangy is so tangy, he had, he had to go off yeah it was a shame when he, he, he went off far earlier than they would have wanted yeah uh who else did i like i don't need to speak about Bottier. although again Bottier in some respects was uh contained he wasn't yeah, as effective mi- as, he, as he normally is mixed bag there was times where he and I, I think this is right for the ref to be hot on it, where his hands hit the ground in front of the ball yeah. only for half a second, fraction of a second, and then he goes for the ball. Once your hands hit the ground, you're not supporting your body weight, therefore you've got to be out of there. I am gutted that Fiji are out. I'm just reading through the team sheet now and how much I love some of these players going forward. <laughs> and the fact that we yeah, see... that, that, I, I look at the names on the back line, which is why I was slightly disappointed with how they played. But I'm... I'm I'm flipping that around and telling myself that's because England did really well defensively, which I think they did. But look at the names. In, I just thought, again, it's 9-10, isn't it? Their nine did not have a good game. Lamar. And Caleb Muntz isn't there. And Batiti, yeah. Batiti scored a good try, didn't he? Or Yeah, he did. He got, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this boy's a left winger, usually. Yeah. Is but, he? But every, everyone outside of the halfbacks is like dynamite. Yes. But they just... But I, I was really disappointed with how little... We saw from them, but I think that's because the halfbacks. If you put a, a good international halfbacks in that Fiji team, they'd be a proper handful. Although Batiti uh, threw an outrageous offload, it went forward though. But if it had got, if it hadn't gone forward, it was a thing of beauty. I can't remember what he did, but it went out the back door, and either someone dropped it or it went forward. I thought, bloody hell! If that goes to hand, that's like one of the moments of the World Cup. Mm. So, yeah, but not seeing. Jo- I mean, like. Not seeing Josh to us over again this World Cup is heartbreaking. I don't like that. Yeah. I also love watching um, the English team get 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 manhandled. Particularly, I mean, Manu was quite good today. Manu wasn't his worst version. Yeah, you know, he was reasonable. Manu was good. Martin was good. But I do love watching not being able to stop to us over. Well, if you like England uh, getting manhandled. South Africa. Next. Wait, wait till next weekend. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> um, that was the other thing that Marrow did uh, poorly. The second Fiji try, the hooker where he bursts through. Yeah. Marrow just... Oh. Marrow did a, a, a classic your man. Yeah. Can I say something I really hate? I'm so glad the referee sorted it out. Ellis Genge, right? <laughs> Ellis Genge is holding a Fijian. The scrum half. Yeah. And the Fijian's trying to get him off. And then, like... I hate his cry face anyway. He's got this annoying cry face, <laughs> right? But then he's holding the scrum off, and then the scrum off slaps him. And do you know when, like, you see... Uh, uh, who does this? Like, I guess press journalists do this. Like, as soon as you touch one, 
they go mental like he assaulted me he assaulted me he assaulted me you know they, they push they push they push and then someone loses their temper and then they have this like little hysterical like flip out well that's exactly what he did to the ref because apparently Frank Lamorne slapped him and he's up there crying his little face off saying that Frank Lamorne slapped him and he was in the middle of holding the guy like, like holding his shirt I really hate that. I'd love, I, I, I would love to, in a parallel universe where Owen Farrell slapped a Fijian player in the same way, I would love to, to, to listen to the podcast of you castigating Owen Farrell for doing it. I don't mind that it was just like crack on play. Owen Farrell, Owen Farrell that, that's, that's another one. Um, Owen Farrell, when the ref had made his decision, like that silly rice smile and that shake of the head. England are awful at this. Like, they really do whinge a lot to. to uh, wins a lot to the ref. Uh, so do South Africans, by, 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 by the way. South Africans oh, were, were bad at it today. The South, I, it didn't lose. Yeah, there was a game, lot of it tonight. But the, a lot of it from both teams. Yeah. The Fafta Clerk, where he's got a nice clean sight of about five different players and deliberately yeah. passes. Hope it's directly into the French player on the ground. We actually said at the time that we. I hope they lose the game. game yeah, game. that is the kind of thing. And hate it. They've got like Faf did that when. South Africa have got front foot rook ball inside, deep inside France 22. Yeah. And he has, does a stupid thing like that to try and win a, a cheap penalty. I thought that, I thought Benoke handled that really, really well. It's like, nope. You, you, if you choose to pass into him, the consequences of you passing into a guy who's lying on the floor are entirely up to you. Yeah. So Owen Farrell's listening to a decision. I think it's for a high tackle, actually. Was he ever called for a high tackle or something? And it wasn't a red, and Owen Farrell's shaking his head. Oh, yeah, the Hibosi. Yeah, something like that. One. I thought, Jesus. You know, just you're there to listen to the information the ref has given you. Dan Bigger was awful. Um, <sighs> I mean, Dan Bigger, uh, he likes a moon more than anyone. Dan Bigger, who I love, by the way, he's on the try line and they're defending, and you can hear him shouting, He's holding on, he's holding on, he's holding on, he's holding on. He's right in, right in the ref's ear. Benambi did it too. They all do it. Did, they all do it. Did, did you hear that? They'll one? do what they're allowed. They'll do whatever they're allowed to get away with. It's it's down to the referees. Advantage, like, advantage, the, advantage. The, so the, the least of that happened. The least out of the out of the four quarterfinals that happened. The least amount of times Ireland, New Zealand. Yeah, because Wayne Barnes was the referee. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, Benambi, right at the bottom of the rock. You do what you do, whatever you get away with. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't disagree with it, but. I, I really hate it. I, the Genge one is so egregious, though. The Genge, Genge is like such a cowardly one. It's just like the the penalty actually came up for that as dissent. Yeah, it did. Which, yeah, we loved is, it. Which loved is it. Uh, rightly so. Yeah, I, I I would be happy for more penalties for dissent. Yeah, that, yeah. That that's how that's how you stop them doing it because it was a knock on, wasn't it? And then it went went full penalty because Genge has been an idiot. Thank yeah. you. Take it. God. So, so England win. Uh, the final game we just kind of yeah, touched he... on there. Oh, go, go oh on well, yeah. uh, I've got one for you. No, no, no. Yeah, Mar- go on. Marcus Smith. Is this going to happen again? Can it happen again? Will there be? Is there anything of Marcus Smith to play again? <laughs> they can scrape him up and tape it back together. <laughs> um, I don't. A... I don't think so. Uh, now we have spoken about Freddie Stewart and how he's playing before. I think that's only part of the equation. I think the other half of the equation is a is a situational one. Partly because Fiji don't kick as much as the other as other teams, and, correct. And partly, I think to try and make Fiji kick more than they would traditionally kick, because mm. I think it's quite an e, quite a, 
quite an astute thing to say if Fiji see uh, a non fullback at fullback, they might want to kick more, which means they're running less. Which the kicking stats all for this game? Uh, Fiji kicked the ball twenty times. That's not low. Ah, uh, that's pretty low. So Europe, at, so England, England thirty. So it, it might not be low for Fiji actually. Um, the France Island game at the, at the start, France Island, France New Zealand game at the start of the tournament was forty apiece, uh, which is which is the higher end. Yeah, 20, 20 is the lower end, but it might be um, might be more than Fiji in other games actually. Well, Fiji against Wales, Wales, Fiji against Australia, in my mind, were kicking an awful lot, mm. like far more so than I would expect them because I don't think they're the team that a lot of people say they are. Well, they're not like. There's a lot of there's a lot of cliches in rugby. Like, who knows what French French term is going to turn up? And they're all annoyingly right. Uh, well, this, <laughs> this time, yeah, this this tournament maybe has proved them wrong. Or, oh, Argentina have got a fantastic scrum, haven't they? Uh, uh, no. Not as much as they used to. Things like that. Um, Fiji, the the Fijian flair thing is that is not untrue. But people overlook just how good their set piece is yes. these days and how big and physical their pack is. Yeah, so Marcus Smith at 15, you you, you don't think it'll happen again? I well, no, I th- no, I'm not saying happen again. I don't think it'll happen against South Africa. So, yeah, I, I think it was very much situational. I think the time when it will happen against South Africa is if England are down, and this is what I've said all tournament, if England are down by seven points uh, with 10, 15 minutes to go, you might see it again. Yeah, you will not see it starting unless Freddie Stewart is is injured. With the intention of it being there to open up England's attack, do you think it worked? First half it did okay. Second half, no. But again, to me, that was more a change in strategy. They were kind of moving away from that anyway. It's such a big ask. I mean, Mark Smith has not played fullback ever. I don't think for Harlequins. He never never started. But I, I don't think it's that big enough. Like I was looking at it, and frequently, so Marcus Smith frequently kick returns. Like in this game, frequently the the two players in the deep for England receiving and returning the kick were Alex Mitchell and Owen Farrell. Mm. Like it's not it's not that bigger. I I really don't think it's that bigger thing. Um, until I agree, you get a team that start trying to pepper you with spiral bombs, something like that. Um, which Fiji were unlikely to do, and if Fiji did, that's probably a benefit for England because it means they're going away from there. So I don't actually think it's the high ball stuff which should be of concern because a lot of the high ball stuff is actually targeted at wingers, you know, the contested kicks or at the extremities, where I think it's a concern. And where he did really well, actually, to be fair to him, is that last man tackling. Now, mm. I say really well, he got absolutely bounced a few times. I can't imagine Freddie Stewart doing much better, to be honest. Mm. Like, yeah, the one... yeah, he bounced him, but he, he was he was enough of a road hump to stop exactly. Tony Randrandra. I mean, and how often how that's... often do you see a total clean break, full back last man, and it, like it doesn't happen that often. No, but it's kinda of like a goalkeeper. Like it has to be stopped. Like mm. it only needs to happen once. We had two games yeah, which by but... by a score, these things matter. Yeah, but but then, but then how many? But then we talked this about this many times. Freddie Stewart defense is not Freddie Stewart's strong suit. Oh, that's exactly this is exactly the point I'm making. I don't think Freddie Stewart would have done any would, would have done any 
any better than Marcus Smith. Mm. I think Marcus Smith, yeah. the road hump thing is exactly right. That's what he had to do. And, you know, after he'd got absolutely battered, I think, uh, to us over, ran him over, like big time ran him over. And then when Rad Randers threw and he's just hunting for contact, that is terrifying. And he still did it. <laughs> well, that the one advantage mm. with Semi, uh, he's, he does seem to just go for the contact. When he's got one-on-one with a 15, yeah. he's just going for the contact. Because <laughs> he's a great winger. <laughs> um, Fiji kicking stats in their previous game. So it was 20 this week against England. They kicked 21 times against Georgia, so almost identical. 24 times against Australia and uh, 17 times against Wales. So this is like in the middle of where Fiji... So they've they've actually not changed their um, previous strategy, it would seem. Their, their kicking go. was bad when they did kick, so I can understand why they don't do it very much. Worst kick at least they need, more pra- they need more practice at it. Yeah. Worst kick of the weekend... Jalibert's yeah, uh, amazing penalty oh, touch yeah. finder. But he had two really bad kicks. One of them he got away with though. Do you know when he's he was doing he went for I think a cross hill kick and it just slices off his boot and it looks like a grubber kick. Mm. And he got charged down, so no one really w- knew what you know what happened. <laughs> he meant it. Yeah. But... That's what he'll say. The second one, that uh crossfield kick uh, not crossfield touch finder. J- Jalibert actually just jump into that. I thought he did some incredible thing some of his running and stepping lovely player was amazing uh two two bad kicks and etzebeth uh targeted him for his try yes and just carried him over the line uh just another player to mention for that game not player person but no it wasn't ben Ben o'keefe i thought he was awesome i i thought like i so i think the referee. Yeah, it's interesting. So I thought I, I thought the same thing, but I've seen a lot of negative comments same. about him. But I, I agree with you, JB, for what it's worth. Yes. I've I've seen negative comments about referees all weekend. I thought uh, over all referees will make mistakes. Mm. Overall, I thought the standard refereeing was excellent. Although I will note that I thought they were uh, far more liberal than they have been throughout the rest of the tournament. Which I think for all of us, we are absolutely fine with. Yep. Like take the Nick Tompkins um, headshot um, in the rook as an example, and compare it to the clear out that got an Italian tried disallowed and a yellow card for an Italian prop. Yeah, they I thought they were very very similar scenarios. One was a yellow card and a disallowed try. One was crack on lads. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought if I was going to pick which of those two. Um, directions I want the game to go it's this weekend absolutely but it is a bit weird to like rip up the precedent that you've set for the previous five weeks of rugby in the knockout stages I'm not, I'm not it. saying it's wrong yeah. I, I, I'm for it I don't know how you measure it right because there'll be people on Twitter in particular nerds uh, and maybe I'd fall into, into this category if I actually had a dog in the fight maybe if it was like a team I cared about uh, I might be very pernickety like they didn't pick up on that. That is the law. This is how it should be enforced. But the ultimate way you judge is the game good is did you enjoy mm. it? Did it flow? Did, did you enjoy it? And if it did, so I tell you one of the Ben O'Keefe moments which I thought was really good. The easiest call in the world is to give Etzebeth a yellow card or a penalty for tapping the ball down. 
because yeah, yeah. It's just such an obvious like I, I, me and I thought oh god yellow card Yo, yeah yeah but to not give anything and then to be right about it yeah yeah because that just looks it just looked, felt like a yellow card yeah yeah he was right. There was, there was a couple of Letter Boys play up. moments over the weekend, wasn't there? There was, there was that one, and then there was the Argentina um, Wales because we were coming onto that game a little bit. That like not giving anything for uh, when Nick Tompkins Tompkins. scored for it, for for an HIA. Now I know there's quite a lot of Wales fans quite upset about that. I and and I based on what we've seen, when you think back to where we were calibrated at the start of the World Cup, where Tom Curry got a red card. Yeah, exactly. It does, it does fit. It does feel like a different, a, a different system now. But I like where we're at now, because there's some recognition that accidents do happen, and that's okay. And actually, if it's about changing behaviour, well, it's the Argentinian been player was bent, bent, bent ninety degrees at the waist and was doing a regulation clear out, and and Nick Tompkins was falling and he hit his head. And sometimes head contact will happen because it's rugby union. Yeah, an accident. Yes. It's hard. It's hard to change the behaviour of an accident. Like, yeah. Un- yes. Uh, uh, yes. Unless, unless, yes. unless you're just saying, "Well, no, don't, don't go for a clear out." Someone's been saying this for years. Someone's been saying this for years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you look at these games, right? Um, no one's, no one's life expectancy has gone up um, after this weekend. Like, no <laughs> one's chances of dementia have gone up. Sorry, I've gone down after uh, after uh, after this week's games because that is the nature of, nature of the game, and there were no knockouts. You know, there are a few HIAs, but even the guys without HIAs would have had some serious TBIs this week because that is the game, and we all know what we signed up for. That is the game. Get on with it. Um, talking of getting on with it, before we go into Wales Argentina, I went networking Beardmore Co. Independent Financial Advisors Friday, mm. Friday morning. Someone turned around to me, big hand, shook my hand, said, hi, I'm Adrian. Who who was it? I know the answer to this already. Same. So I can't pretend like <laughs> oh, I... Oh, I've already told... <laughs> you, yeah, you, you told, told both of us. <laughs> oh, I met Adrian Morley. <laughs> absolute, That's awesome. Absolute uh, legend of the what rugby warrior. league, the cross court. Yeah, Morley. I was like, this is a big deal. This is a massive deal for me. Adrian <laughs> Morley is right here. <laughs> so good old chat. He's in construction recruitment now. Is he? He is. Do you need any recruiting people? Uh, not right now. You, no, no, no. I'd, I'd always be keen for a chat with Adrian Morley, though. I'll sort it out. Yeah, <laughs> got his card upstairs. Big mates now. Big mates. Big slice as well. Yeah, he's a big boy. He, he looks like he still trains. Yeah, I imagine he does. Those rugby league guys are just. Yeah, you know, I've met a load of rugby union lads. Load them, and they're very impressive, like physically impressive. There's something innately scary about ex rugby league players, though. I can't really put put my finger on it. They they're different. They are so they they're different, and the amount of punishment they put their bodies through. Because it's so I, I remember I always go back to this when um, Sam Burgess moved. Um, all roads lead to Sam Burgess, of mm-hmm. course. But when he moved um, to Bath and England Rugby Union. They were talking about his involvements as either a 6 or a 12-13, um, I guess, where he ended up um, playing some of his rugby. Yeah. But you'd be talking about, like, maybe in a in a big game, maybe 8 to 12 carries, 8 to 12 tackles. Yeah. And in rugby league, he'd be doing, like, more than double that on both <laughs> counts. On 
Uh, Interventions are off, off through the roof. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're not hitting any rooks in rugby league, yeah. but it's it's still like way more. And some of these, I've just got Adrian Moore. Do you know how many um, league games of uh, league games of rugby or league and cup games? So club games of rugby, Adrian Morley played in his four hundred. Four hundred. Let's say. Let's just say like twenty five a year for let's say fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. So three fifty. Yeah. Four hundred ninety seven. <laughs> what? As well. <laughs> so, including Jesus Christ. Within that, one hundred forty nine for Leeds Rhinos. 114 for Sydney Roosters, Jeez. which is, that's quite a high standard. It's pretty high. Uh, and then 173 for Warrington Wolves, as well as uh, 50 international, 53 internationals as well. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. That yeah, is... I always feel with these rugby league boys, it's um, meeting one, it's kind of like hanging out with a pet tiger. Like <laughs> For the most part, you're going to be okay, but it only needs to not be okay once. Yeah, yeah. Is is your pet tiger well fed today? <laughs> yeah. not, you, might, the edge. you might be on the menu. Yeah. Wow, that is a hell of a CV. Incredible. And now was it, was it, dealing was with your CV. Thing, or were you just saying that you met him. I'm not 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 knocking it. I love say, say about it, but I'm just uh, before we um, just checking. There wasn't anything more to the Adrian Morley. It was just that you met him and chewed his ear off. Uh, yeah. That's that. That was basically yeah, nice. No, you're his awesome. best mate. I'm his, I'm, I'm his absolute best mate now. <laughs> Is he going to come down, crossfitting with you? I'd say so. Absolutely. We're basically inseparable. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'll just give you a little interlude, then a little France update. Well, firstly, actually, um, that that Scottish fan that I recorded last week at, at um, the Stade de France yes. Yes. went viral because someone else plucked plucked the video and and put it on their own channels. Uh, it was on Have I Got News For You on Friday night. I know, I saw and, it. And uh, what I was... So, in uh, um, just before Ireland-New Zealand was about to start, I was so pumped, I was so excited. I'd seen the Wales-Argentina game. I'd made it into the middle of Mar- Marseille. I was by the little temple bar, that the Irish bar in, uh, in the middle of Marseille, right by the port. I was buzzing. And then I got this little notification saying, you've had a copyright strike. What? On your YouTube channel. Because, because some I don't I'm going to find out who this is I don't know what, but apparently I've spoken to some people and it's like this is quite common someone has pretended they own that video of the Scottish fan oh my have God. licensed it wow. and 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 then have copyright struck me the person who did it and <laughs> uploaded it that is or oh, that is like, a joke Someone out there is basically the Ellis Genge of copyright banter. <laughs> oh dear! Just, um, I was just, I was, I was, so, I was livid. So I'm getting these, I'm getting these copyright strikes, and then like, there's only so many times you can do things not on terms of service on YouTube before they just knock your account down. So I've disputed our it, account, but it's just like not only, not only, be careful did, with it. Not only did someone rip my video, not only did someone rip my video, put their Put their um, put that content somewhere else. Get millions of views that I get no credit for. Um, but yeah, that I'm actually having people telling me off, saying you can't have that video up there. That belongs to someone else. <laughs> that really absolutely. is a kick. the world just isn't fair, is it? Absolutely livid. That it really is a kick in the teeth. That yeah. <laughs> the second yeah. part of that. Shocking. There was there, there was there what. There was something else I can't. Uh, I've, I've forgotten. It was going to be a happy story. Oh, oh yeah, and oh yeah, and 
No, no, no. So um, I, I spent some time in Marseille with this is I had a wonderful night last night, a real big night with the uh, friend of the pod uh, and egg chaser North Dorset Sevens champion Dave McDonald. Oh, the boy. D-Mac. Good lad. D-Mac and, and, and Ed, who's a, a, a fantastic lad. And they put me up in their Airbnb. Thank you for that. Um, anyway, so we, we had, uh, um, what was I saying? What was the point of this? Update from France. What was I? I've comp- no, 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 no. Party Hold drugs. You, you want to tell us about party drugs? <laughs> oh, and I saw, I saw Hugo again. Very oh, nice. Good lad. Oh my god, my brain! Can you tell I had a big night last night? I can't remember <laughs> what I was about to say. And it's it's and also really... it's also nearly half twelve in France as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm on the radio uh, early in the morning. Um, <laughs> oh, it will it will come to me. I had a big night out in Marseille, and something happened. And copyright theft happened. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was not. It wasn't that. Oh, I can't remember now. Doesn't matter. Oh, Obviously, well. it wasn't important. If it, it comes, was, comes back to you just... anyway. Sorry. Well, if it does, I had a great, I had a great, I had a great, I had a great night. Lots, lots of beers and good fun. Excellent. I love France, and and now everything moves to Paris, where it's freezing cold apparently. So, ah, uh, yes, that makes sense. So, Wales, Argentina, Wales, yeah, ten, a little bit ten nil up, bossing yeah. things. A little bit um, upset about this one. What to say? I. I when they were winning, I was like, yeah, okay, I kind of am getting a bit behind this team. I do quite like them after all that. And then for them to lose it the way they did. Do you know, they are. Some people might whinge about how Wales lost, uh, refereeing decisions and so forth. One man can actually take some actual blame for this, and that is Josh Adams and his stupidity to give away what I think was an absolutely vital three points. Mm, it was. Just the, the kind of no arm. What was he thinking? Late hit, but totally unnecessary. Yeah, totally. It was just a it's thick. It was just a cheap shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I've said this for a long time. Very happy. We're, we're players are brain dead. Mm. Like, so happy to see a penalty go against them. And I it's so unnecessary. Think, was that the ten nine? Was that to make it ten nine or something? It's, it felt important to me because I think it's just before the half. Was that the one just before the half time? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. And all of a sudden, I think you're right. It Wales was not in control. Yes, and it's because of that stupid. Yeah, decision. that was the one to make it ten nine. Idiots from being ten. Yes, I think just to. I think I've already drawn the parallel earlier in the podcast. But when you draw the parallel with South Africa and Wales, and also actually the the Wales and Argentina, just the two teams that were on show that day, the importance of the team that you finish with, because. I remember when I saw the team announced, I was like, hmm, what happens if something happens to Liam Williams? And then you're like, okay, well, I'll probably put, I have to put Lewis Rees-Summit to fullback. He's not not totally sure about that. And then it's like, what happens if a centre goes down? Mm. Uh, probably have to put Josh Adams in or move Dan Bigger out one. And it's just, uh, yeah, the two things you did not want to happen happened in that game. And Dan Bigger, was not he definitely wasn't 100%. His arm wasn't right. He wasn't passing fluidly. You could see when he was kicking, mm. he was not mechanically. It wasn't great, so he was sort of patched up already. And then, but but for him and Liam Williams to go off, and Sam Costello to come on, yeah, it's just they just didn't have the bench. So what they you did not have the bench, not. Well, that's because these players are literally all the players that Wales have. Yeah. Well, oh no, no, it. I, t- I totally agree. There's no, there's no other options. Well, there's no other options. The, the only option is to rule out the mummified corpses of uh, Justin Tipperick. 
and Alan Wynne Jones yeah. onto the pitch. <laughs> this is quite a nice. The Welsh yeah. story is quite a nice story, I think, because they have fought valiantly. The, 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 I think, as a team, they've done themselves proud. They're not a good team. Uh, I said this. I mean, they're a good bunch of blokes. A good sorry, they're not great individuals. Like they're but, a good bunch as a team. They work hard together. The pack is lacking. Like the backs have got some nice names, and then you just realise when you look at the bench, like this is it. There's like that's it. There's no one else in mm. all of Wales. Which what is I will say is that they're unbelievably fit, and their attitude is outstanding. The, yeah. the ability for Wales to get on their feet and in the defensive line is incredible. Mm. How hard they're they amazing work. at it, and that's what you got to yeah. like about them. You know, it just shows that you know, the team dynamic in rugby is absolutely absolutely essential. And I, th- you know, I think they've done well, and. It- they have got some some uh, as much as we talk about the old guard in this game and the old guard who've who've gone already. There is some talent there. It's, it's whether it's enough. Like that back row: Morgan, Rafael, Wainwright. They're all young. Yeah. Uh, Tashunza and Daffy Jenkins. They're young and talented. Rio Dyer looks good um, when he gets an opportunity going forward. Tompkins is still in his prime. So they've they've got. It's not all like Wales are in a significantly worse place than some teams, but it's not all bad. It's not yeah, as bad as it could this be. This is kind of like when Iceland started winning football games. <laughs> the fact they only had these players kind of worked in their favour because they had to play together all the time. But in what world would you pick a back row which is like 5'10", 6'2", 6'0"? <laughs> I mean, we're talking plumbers and scaffolders here. Yeah, but Morgan, he's more... He, He's a hell of a. He, the, he, and, just, a and, and just and just when you think you've seen everything Jack Morgan can do, he goes and does some ridiculous footwork as he did in this game. He had an unbelievable step and gas. Yeah, he stepped like a winger. Yeah, he's look. He's he, a hell of a player. He's good. He, he is good. Uh, you know, the front row is not good enough. Second row probably isn't good enough. They've, they've done remarkably well to get as far. They did bloody well to beat Fiji. Frankly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. Uh, it's a good point. They were, fav- they were favourites coming into this, and I, I mean, my my calls were all over the shop. I was thinking it'd be a Northern Hemisphere. I was thinking we're possibly going to see a Northern Hemisphere whitewash. But um, so what do I know? But um, but the Wales one—that was the one I most confidently called, and I think that was the case with many many people. They 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 seemed like and I think they were, are a, a legit good rugby team so just to flip it over I think you've got to credit Argentina Crema was outstanding Santi Carreras had a really good game at yeah. five mm. half yeah agreed and what was what I found interesting and I noticed this with New Zealand doing this to Ireland as well I reckon this must be by design and in terms of tactics and the way the game evolves Argentina like it looked like they were getting carved up Louis Rees Samet was had space and was an overlap on the edge the first four times he got the ball mm. um, and then he sort of butchered it he wasn't very good at kicking with it anyway that, that's by the by the point is I was like oh they're carving him up but uh, and it also happened with later that day last night with New Zealand defended quite narrow and gave Ireland the outside and I think that might be what teams are doing now we trust ourselves to be able to slide and and cover if they get the outside, but we're, we're not going to have anyone go through the middle of us. Yeah, mm. I think that's exactly what happens. I mean, it's like the oldest, um, not the oldest saying, but like if you're going to get, if you're going to concede, you concede out wide. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know that's just how you played club rugby for years and years. So it would make sense. You double up in the middle and you let people go go wide, and if they can do it, well, sort that out later. Yeah, but you also you buy yourself time because unless you can uh, do a either pinpoint pass uh, to a man going on at pace or a pinpoint crossfield kick, you're always gonna like the time it takes the ball to travel out there buys you a few seconds to to scramble. Yeah. So when, when Rio Dyer makes that break and oh. Thomas Williams is it and he gives it resale you think this is the best finisher in the world like he's right up there and for him not to get in mm. wasn't their day was it was not their day hell of a tackle coming across there mm. oh that was a hell of a yes, tackle yes because I, he has to get I mean the commas uh, said it beautifully but they have to get, he has to get his like his whole body, body. in the way yeah yeah it means a really tough tackle that yeah it was a great tackle uh, can I just say that Argentine Argentinian fans are amazing? I bet they are. So we, 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 they we, are brilliant. We came across them in uh, Tokyo, England Argentina. They were oh, fantastic. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> there was, we might have had one or two Lemon Strong zeros on that day. Like, I'll, I'll put it this way: they they managed to like pogo during their own national anthem. Pogo. Uh, it's like they're, they're all jumping up. Up and down, ah. you look around, and you just see blue and white just bouncing everywhere you look during the national anthem. They so, are absolutely mad for it. I, I, it's, it's just <laughs> awesome. So Argentina being in the semis, I mean, they're not going to be favourites to win the game, but they're in a bloody good position because they're going to know their opposition very well. Mm-hmm. They played them, played them before. Um, they've beaten the All Blacks twice now. Yep, and, yeah. they... and once from hotel room. Uh, yes, and um, I think both of these teams, their weakest aspect is their front row, which means they match up quite nicely against one another. Yeah. I would not be shocked to see them make a final. I would. It's not out of the question. Surprise, not shocked. Yeah, so shocked would be maybe putting it too, too strongly, but yeah, surprised. Yes, I. Yeah, I've just mind you, the performance as Wales wasn't. How do I feel about it? It was good, but it what if you look at the, the quarters, there is a substantial difference in quality between two of the games and this game and the England game. Hundred percent, and no, Correct. none of the four teams that played in the worst of the two quarterfinals. I, I don't think any of them played well enough to make me think. Yeah, okay, maybe there'll they'll be a challenge. Obviously, it might be the best of the rest. I don't know. It's. I mean, I was watching that England game thinking. Uh, even when England were playing well in the first half whoever they played because this was before the France-South Africa game it doesn't matter France or South Africa are going to put 30 points on England yeah, they are, and they? there's there's nothing that I've seen today that makes me change my mind the only thing that might come into play is it's just a one-off game just things ha- and things happen and the pressure yeah but it's the kind of thing that if you if you replayed it a hundred times, I think ninety of those times, uh, South Africa now put thirty points on England. I think ten of those times it gets a bit closer and a bit more interesting. Maybe two or three of those times it gets close enough for England to actually win it. Yeah, maybe, maybe not even that. So it's unlikely. Argentina, Argentina, New Zealand will be closer than South Africa, England. Probably. Tim, but maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe because Argentina uh, haven't looked. Yes, I think um, they've not looked that great, though. They've not. 
No, they haven't. They, they were they were much better, and that was they had a little bit more structure and game plan. Uh, yeah, so I was more impressed. But I still, yeah, they, they, these are mismatches. Well, no, not mismatches. That's unfair. These are you've got heavy, heavy favourites for each of these games. England just need to make it really ugly and drag South Africa as much as they can into a terrible game. That, that it's is their only hope, which is why I think we will see Stewart back at fullback. Yeah. <laughs> Damning with faint praise. <laughs> and I, th- and I think as we bad as possible. Yeah. Get me Stewart on the phone. <laughs> no, no, because they're they're, they're going to try and draw South Africa into a kicking battle. They're going to slow it down. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the best idea against South Africa. No, though. I'm not either. I'm like, well, but, but I think, but but I think if you let if you let the game go loose, they they're just going to sh- yeah. shred England. You 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 are right. Like playing fast and high tempo, I I'm not sure I want to do that if I'm England. I don't want to so get into an arm wrestle. Yeah, they yeah. Can, this team can. They really can. Gotta say, I will say, Argentina back row is cool. Yeah, um, the centers are dynamite. I I love. Uh, Chocobaris and he had Cin- to go off quite early. Sin- Sinti has actually. Sinti is the other. I, guy I, I was unsure about. about him, but I can see why Checker is persisting with him now he's a, because he's a big boy. And Maroni coming off the bench is very nice as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope Chocobaris is all right for the semi. Uh, I just I remembered by the way what I was going to say about go the night out with uh, Dave, Dave and Ed. Okay, D Mac. So. Did you know how they got to how they how they got to Marseille? They were caught up in the air traffic control, the the air traffic control strike. So yeah, I've not sent to, I've not watched the video. Con- Go on. No, they were meant to have, they were meant to have a connecting flight. And loads of Wales fans and England fans were in this situation. So they were meant to fly via Munich. The Munich flight got got changed to Frankfurt because of these air traffic control strikes. Then when they got to Frankfurt. They they were told, oh, actually, your flight to Marseille has been cancelled. <laughs> we'll put you on standby for a flight to Nice tomorrow morning. Uh, are there any seats on that plane? No, you're on standby. So basically, like, you know. Mm. So they decided to hire a car and drive a thousand miles from Frankfurt to Marseille. Oh, God. With three, with three other Welsh fans that they met who just happened to be in the same situation. And the the five of them drove... Well, Dave Mack drove, but they were all in all in one little V. Well, in a VW Passat, the five of them uh, driving through the night to get to Marseille to make sure they were there. They, they were great crack. It was it was awesome. But I, I made a video, as Phil just mentioned. You haven't watched the video. I made a video for our YouTube channel, and then what do you know? Uh, what do you know? Uh, um, I, basically, I've done the production work for another grassroots podcast who are having them on their podcast to tell them about this amazing story that, that the producers found. So I'm glad they're getting a bit of that. Unbelievable. I quite like doing the work for the grassroots podcasters as well. It's nice that I can give something back. 100%. So. It is nice. It is nice. And that's the thing about being podcasters ourselves. We're giving back all the time. So podcasts less fortunate than ourselves. <laughs> so a grassroots podcast that's uh, staying at the soft hotel right in the middle of Marseille rather than the camper van. <laughs> on the outskirts like me <laughs> but that's fine it's fine I'm quite happy I'll, I'll I'll keep coming up with the content and other people can keep keep exactly using. right it's fine by me you keep fine going Tim you're doing a great job <laughs> <laughs> right do you want to do predictions or should we save that for another podcast I'm tired 
I th- I think we yeah, save it for another, another podcast. Another pod, but but I might need to talk about yeah. the pre- might need to talk about the Premiership. We might need to talk about the RFU again. We're getting behind on on, on those things. We might need to talk about the predictions for next week. Um, we've got all sorts going on. Yeah, let, let's save it for another pod. Let's save it for another day because it's nearly midnight as well. God. And I'm on a train yes. in the morning. God, I love podcasting. <laughs> love podcasting. I'll get enough of it. I bloody love rugby. I really love rugby. What mm. a weekend. Right. And, 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 the, and, the, and the, the, talk about, the talk about its impending demise might be might, might be a little premature, JB. Do you think after this weekend's rugby? No, certainly not, mate. We are... Um, uh, <laughs> We're sort of parting whilst Rome burns. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is the last throw of the dice. Enjoy it. Oh, mate. Let, let, I'm, just, I'm happy to be here as it's going down, then, if that's the case. If this weekend's exactly. got anything... Yeah, like we're, that, we're basically ballroom dancing on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Right, so follow Tim on YouTube, download the podcast. Well, you already have downloaded the podcast, so subscribe to the podcast. Contact us. Follow JB. Follow JB in very small shorts on yeah. Instagram. Well, actually, they're quite long. They're very tight, but they're quite long. I've got, <laughs> I've got a few followers on Instagram this week. I don't know if they're horrified or, or, you know, or what really. They're certainly not getting the content that they expected. <laughs> well, if they were expecting extremely tight skin, extremely tight lycra shorts, and that's why they've added Ooh, it, yeah. they'll be very happy with the channel. You like muscle ups? Yep, yeah, it's all there. Um, right. Yep. So do that, and we'll see you probably tomorrow or midweek with some more podcasts. So from me, Tim, and Phil, let the boys play. Beautiful. Top work.